All right, welcome home, everybody. This is the Residency Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. I'm Jeff Tomastic. I got Low Raven and Drew Belgium here. We're here. Back for another episode. We are super excited. Uh, but first, we want to thank everybody real quick. Um, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank everybody who's been giving us five stars on Apple because we kind of hit a big milestone lately. Huge. Out of nowhere, uh, we made it all the way into the top 15 in the entire country. So crazy. We're official now. Yes. We're official. Uh, on the U.S. Apple podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of Apple, but they're kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. So the U.S. Apple podcast charts and entertainment news category we reached the top 15. We really appreciate all the support. It's been crazy. Keep keep giving us five stars. Thank you, thank you. Keep keep helping us out. Keep sharing it. Keep telling your friends. Keep listening. We're going to keep consistent. We have a lot of incredible episodes coming up. A lot of cool things. Now we've officially almost made it, right? This I, mean, is I don't want to say big time, and we definitely didn't rig it. It's real. Yeah, this it's is so Apple. crazy. This yeah. is Apple. This is one thing you can't rig. It's not like a little local local podcast, right? I promise. Nope. What, 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 did, they, what did Trump call him? Tim Apple? Tim Apple at the top. <laughs> <laughs> gave, it, gave it to us all. We'll, um, take it. we'll take it. Yeah, but we do have a guest today, guys. It's not just us three. Very strong guest. This is a strong guest. Strong guy. Great job. Four-time Mr. Olympia, fitness and bodybuilding icon, mogul in uh, with businesses in every corner of the fitness industry, a good friend, and also a proud Las Vegas resident now, yes, too. Yes. We have our guy, Jay Cutler, in the building. Hey, man. Welcome. The real Jay Cutler. The real Jay yeah, Cutler. Wow. A, yeah. wow. Do people confuse the two of you? All the time. All the no. time, right? I bet, because you guys were both like at the peak of your careers at the same time. You crazy. 2006, he was drafted. You know, he's, he was the, the king at Vanderbilt and, you know, Sports Illustrated. When they started Googling and Jay Cutler came up, of course, I had jaycutler.com. There was a lot of comparisons of us. And right then it was positive for his coming into the NFL. Yeah, like, sure. He was a big deal. You remember he went to... Uh, Everyone thought you just went in to be quarterback all of a sudden. He switched careers. He was at Denver at first, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, and then eventually went to Chicago. But they had a lot of cool... Uh, I mean, Sports Illustrated did a pretty cool comparison and and uh, a lot of traits like as we grew up. But unfortunately, uh, it turned into a lot of... Uh, I knew how he was playing on Sunday. Let's put it that oh, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, not, and I, not and it that was good. funny because they still, like ESPN and all these things will still tweet me under, you know, my at, at Mr. OJ Cutler is my, and he, I don't think he ever had social media. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So any kind of celebrity or anything, especially now when the reality show took off, he yeah. actually, you know, he became more popular again for sure for, for sure. sure i think actually now like more popular yeah for yeah, sure yeah 100% getting all those tweets like you bombed uh, this <laughs> weekend jay was, cutler sucks was, you screwed my cover he has like, six perfect days yeah, in a row and yeah. sundays are yeah. miserable every week <laughs> and you know he was an amazing quarterback i mean he was good and he was high one of the higher paid ones but it seemed like he just didn't have the right leadership role in in chicago you should have sure. at least got 10 percent of the contract at, yeah, at something, the very least. Right? how about recently he filed for a divorce hope we didn't get any weird phone calls hey, everything everything's okay Everything's yeah. all good. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of people hit me up because they yeah. are they are yeah. putting up some pictures yeah. of me with other women. Oh, okay. oh, there it is with fans, and that's saying okay, it's the wrong guy. Just the wrong guy. This, this wrong is guy. why Jake Keller fell through divorce. Keep yeah. the reality show guy to himself. Yeah. Jake, the quarterback, never won a Super Bowl though, right? No, no, not even really close. Jay's won four. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There yeah, equivalent of four Super Bowls. So, guys, we have the real Jay Cutler here, not to be confused Absolutely. with anybody else. Um, so let's get into it, man. The quick background. So obviously being four-time Mr. Olympia that you are too, but how did you first get into bodybuilding? Were you like the strongest kid in, in kindergarten or something? Or You know what's funny <laughs> is I have pictures at five years old, at seven years old, and I would sit and flex for the camera. I was the youngest oh, wow. of seven yes. kids. And I had a great physique, and I don't know why. I was an active kid, but I started working concrete in my family business at 11. My brothers still have a, a really like well, probably one of the best concrete businesses on the East Coast in Massachusetts. Okay. And I think that developed my physique early. But I always had a, like I picked up a magazine at 12 and I said, this is what I want to look like. Some people like you, you strive to be a doctor or a lawyer. Or, right. And I didn't have parents that really, after I was the, the seventh child, they were like, you know, my kids are going to do whatever they do. You know, my <laughs> oldest brother. I'm exhausted. Just, just yeah, grew up my, to be okay. My oldest brother man. is probably... 13 years older than me okay so there's a little age gap so those they were teenagers by the time i was you know five years old and they were kind of letting me kind of do what i did and you know they toughened me up a little bit and no one actually lifts weights in my family which is odd so for me to become a professional bodybuilder and growing up in a super small town in massachusetts uh six thousand people where i grew up like no one ever leaves yeah. so 
Uh, I got I got into lifting weights after high school. I was great in sports. I was a track athlete. I was a great football player. Uh, I was super, super active, and I always had a physique. I mean, I remember benching 315 pounds in high school, and that's a big weight for in high school. Yeah, for that's sure. a ton. It's a big weight now. It's a big weight now. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah, big weight in high school, school yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's for the guys here well, at this damn, table. Dude. For a <laughs> starter pack, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. So when did, you, when did it turn into like more of a, I think I'm good at this, to this is what I want to do to like for my career. Like this is this is the transition where I know this is how I want to focus my all my attention on. To be honest, when I joined the gym, I actually joined the gym. My story is really, you might have seen this, but I actually joined the gym on my 18th birthday. I saved up the $300. I joined a Gold's Gym, which was in the major city near me. It was Worcester, Massachusetts, and you know I started my journey. You know August 3rd, 1991. It was my 18th birthday. And I started training, and within six months, I had put on 50 pounds. Wow. So I went from the guy in the gym that was just a young kid coming in, like any a kid, and then all of a sudden, like people are coming up to me after three months, four months, and being like, kid, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, yeah. You're making progress past what anyone that's been training here for 10 or 12 or 15 years has been doing. You know, this, you know, you know how people look in the gym. You see people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've been there 20 years. I mean, I've been in Vegas for 20 years, and some people look the same as when I started training. Right? Absolutely. And maybe that's their goal. They're just trying to stay fit. But I really wanted to become bigger. And I kind of had a mindset of like, okay, I want to be up to 240 pounds at my height. I was 5'9". And it's funny because I reached that pretty quickly. And then it was like, okay, I want to be 250, then 260. And then, then I started on the competitive side only because everyone was like, man, you need to do something with this. You have a talent. Right. And that's when I started competing. God. Was it was it a lot of natural talent, or were you just, did you just have like the ability to focus, like because I mean I mean really when you're bodybuilding and training and trying to gain that type of weight, the the focus that you have to have twenty four seven to get there with eating and training and you know that becomes a serious task. It's the discipline, right? And you've been around it, you know what it's like. You have to stay on a rigid diet, you have to have sleep patterns, and you have to continually train. It's not like oh I can train for four weeks and then take two weeks off or. You know, I separated myself, so I became from, I was super popular and I was like a a social person in high school. I threw like big parties and and don't get me wrong, I partied, I drank. I drank more before I was 18 than I ever did. Uh, Allegedly, you know? I mean, that's all we did. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's all we did in Massachusetts. There was nothing really to do. Uh, I worked, and I think that work ethic, working in the concrete, gave me the discipline that prepared me for what it took to eat, sleep, train, and repeat that schedule day in and day out. And it's a, it's a monotonous lifestyle, but yeah. the payoff is way more than I ever imagined it would be And as I progressed further. But I did have the discipline and I learned how to eat. I worked with a nutritionist about six months after training. So I got a pattern of a diet, six meals a day. I'd tape it on my refrigerator and I'd follow that diet to a T every single day. Anyone that's followed a diet knows that you have to be consistent with it. So normally when we train for shows, for example, we'd give ourselves 12 or 16 weeks to get into top shape that you see in the magazines or like really when the the skin is like wrapped around the muscle. We can't stay like that year round. Of course, sure. Makes sense. But we prepared over those week periods. And that's pretty much, you know, I followed that routine since the, the day I joined the gym. I ate the meals and you know I was going to college at the time I actually was pursuing a degree in criminal justice uh, I wanted to be a police officer or a prison Interesting. officer yeah and Interesting. Uh, yeah, sure. that's what everyone did in our area right okay and then uh, you know I graduated with my associates after two years I won the teen nationals that year which is the best teenager in the country at 19 and right then I knew I have a career in this thing when I walked away after training for two years and winning the biggest title in the country did you have like a coach that was like pushing you along yeah, what, or someone? What was the, or like what was like the driver? Yeah. Like what was the thing with all oh, this opportunity? What's going to drive me to do this? I actually got linked up with probably, and he still is today, one of the best coaches in fitness. Okay. His name is Chris Aceto. He lived in Maine. So Maine was about two hour drive from where I grew up in Massachusetts. And he had a, a wife at the time who was second best in the world in female bodybuilding. This is before female bodybuilding got like outrageously big. Uh, so this woman, Corey Everson, she's super famous. She won like seven time Miss Olympia. Like she was second to her. Uh, and that he coached me through pretty much my whole career. 
So he took me under the wing, taught me about the nutrition, the training, and he prepared me for like the first show, which was the Teen Nationals. But I had, you know, my family supported, my friends, and anyone, if you went back when I won the Mr. Olympia and went back to my high school and, and said, Jay Cutler became Mr. Olympia, everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, we knew that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they would know, right. Because yeah. I was just, I was the biggest, strongest, fastest, probably athletic kid in high school. What'd you play in high school? I played football and I ran track. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ran track? Yeah. Jeez. I was a shot putter and a discus thrower, too. I was, I would, could do everything. I did cross country. I did 100 meter. I did it all. So, That's crazy. I mean, for me, I had, I had the athletic ability. But to be honest, like, I went to school to this two-year school because I didn't want to leave home. So I did my associates at a place, Quinsigamon Community, and they didn't have a football team. So I, that's, and I pursued bodybuilding at that time. And that's when I got hooked. And I loved the individual sport of bodybuilding and going in the gym and just watching my body swell up. And like I said, when, what's going to motivate you more other than seeing improvements week to week, I would see my arms get bigger or my chest get bigger. Yeah, my, I had huge legs when I was, I was a 700 pound squatter at 19. Oh, Jesus. Also pretty good for her. For also pretty good just for 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for someone with a fake hip, right? Ain't so nothing close you, to 700 so, pounds coming yeah. here. So you asked me in the beginning, like, when did I figure it out? Yeah. I kind of figured it out when I was 12 years old that you just knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, so awesome. when did when did like the obviously the successes in the very beginning winning the teen competitions and then saying okay cool I'm gonna go after the listeners if you guys don't know Mr Olympia is the cream of the, the crop pinnacle, yeah. that's Mr. that's the pinnacle that is the Super Bowl of, of bodybuilding when did you say okay cool I'm gonna take this all the way here and this is like my new goal right obviously you had separate goals and you kept accomplishing and accomplishing and then you're like okay cool I'm gonna go for the the ultimate title you, you know it's it's funny because people assume that I eyed that from the time I started but. I looked at pictures. There was a guy, Lee Haney. He won it eight times. When I started, he was Mr. Olympia. Then this guy, Dorian Yates, took over. There's only been about 15 champions in total, 56 or 7, or it's almost 60 years, I think. Oh, wow. I was the 11th. And, uh, you know, Arnold won seven. He was one of the first yeah. of the many. Um, but I had a vision of working my way up in steps so it goes from t nationals to winning a men's open category to winning men's nationals or usa to get your pro card and then there's pro shows that work your way up to qualify to be able to compete in the mr olympia so i only had my vision on okay i won t nationals let me go i mean that was phenomenal for me and at 19 then i became a man like a 20 year old that was men's open so i'm like okay what's the step I have to qualify and then I can go to nationals and I qualified the first show I won every won that and then my first attempt at getting the pro card I won the pro card at 23 so I already had I'd done basically three shows and I was a pro which it takes <laughs> most insane. guys like right 10 15 years to do that if, if they're lucky to even do it so it started to build up pretty quick yeah so it went fast and then I started getting endorsements and then it was about okay how can I financially pay for my chicken breasts and all the things right. that were because yeah. the food was expensive I mean, yeah amounts yeah. of food I could how grow. many calories are you eating a day training getting to Mr. Olympia six to seven thousand calories and and you may look at that and say okay I can go to McDonald's and eat a Big Mac but clean you, calories clean, clean calories so so I was eating uh, close to like four pounds of meat a day. Oh my God. Okay, I would eat it. The minimum was 12 ounces. So you figure a pound is 16 ounces, yeah. right? I would, eat, I would eat almost a pound of meat. I'd eat 30 egg whites for breakfast, okay? So I'd crack 30 egg whites. <laughs> 30 so egg I was whites? going to a farm stand and buying 30 dozen eggs. I wasn't going to the supermarket and buying, oh, I need 12 dozen or buy the whatever the 30 pack yeah, 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 yeah. Thing, yeah I would buy like a box and it would have 30 dozen eggs and that would be in my refrigerator 30 dozen 30 eggs dozen. were you actually cracking them yes, like each because it was before pasteurized egg whites oh before the oh, gardens wow. huh? so wow. now, we, now we drink it like I drink still two cups of egg whites each morning and I have two whole eggs but so I'd throw the yolks out I'd have two every morning and then I would have egg whites on top so that would be my breakfast and then you know, I'd eat probably. You must I, have the craziest refrigerator and freezer no, set up of all I mean, time. Loaded. Yeah. I had extra freezers and whatever, and I right. would actually buy a whole cow at a time in Massachusetts. So I'd buy that, and I'd buy 140 pounds of chicken at a time. What? 
and I would ha- literally go. I would go to the butcher shop, and the cow would be hanging. I'd say, "Okay, grind this down, cut this into steak." Wow! And I would take it out each day. So I'd take out each packet was a pound. I'd freeze it in bags, and they do it actually do it for me. Right. And everyone, like, I was a superstar where I grew up. Everyone knew I was going to be big time. So they, like, catered to me really well. That's awesome. And the farm stand would give me the eggs. Like, like they actually sponsored me. So uh, it was crazy. Like, I I ate so much food. And I'd eat 1,000 carbs a day, like, of rice. Cheese. You know, two or three cups of rice per sitting. And, you know, I would drink sugar drinks. And, like, I would just try to get as many calories as I could because I was, you know, at my peak, I was 300 pounds. I was about to ask. Mm. You got out to 300 pounds. And I dieted down to a ripped, you know, between 255 and 270 for the shows for that Shonies. I competed yeah. in. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Going back to, to the Olympia contest, for the people who aren't really familiar with bodybuilding, it's not a young man's sport. You know, like, you can't come in here at 1920 in, in today's bodybuilding world and win an Olympia. In Arnold's era, remember, he was in his early 20s. Lee Haney won at 22 as first. Yep. Uh, Dorian Yates came in in his 30s, and then eventually, as it became more of a business, like people actually trained for this thing. See, in Arnold's day, it was $500 for first for sure. Olympia. Yeah. Today, oh, wow. it's 400000 Yep. Which, in, in retrospect, isn't the... You look at some of these other sports or awards, right? It's way more money. But it was the endorsement deals where we really made and the Beyond, guest yeah. appearances sure. and all that. But to me, I mean, I won 200 in my prime for Mr. Olympia. And I would spend that easily on the food and the tissue work and yeah. everything that I put into that contest for the year. So people would be like, oh, man, you won 200 grand. And I didn't really look at it. I said, I invested the year into this. Sure. Uh, but it was the crazy endorsements that I got on top of it. So, yes, I won at 33. I was great at 23. I turned, turned yeah. pro at yep. 23. It was a lot later. I ran into Ronnie Coleman, who was the greatest sure. ever. We can talk about that. Yeah. But uh, I had to battle the best of all time in order to win that title. So when I won, it was an extra bonus on top to that beat you, the yeah. guy that, you know, he was going for his, the record number nine. He won eight in a row. And I kept him from doing that. And you also won, actually won. It wasn't that he vowed out or retired yes. and, you know, you yeah. crowned a new Olympia. Said, you actually won. They always said he wouldn't be beaten on the stage. So, you know, my accolades are, you know, beating the, the GOAT, you know. I mean, people talk about the GOAT all the time. And in bodybuilding, Ronnie Coleman yep. was the greatest ever. That's unbelievable. So yeah, what was incredible. sweeter, your first one or the ones after? Because uh, like, I think there's a, such an amazing thing about winning one for the first time, but then yeah. holding your title and repeating you know, and the coming fir- back. The first one, to be honest, it was it was a long time coming. I've been second six time, uh, five times to Ronnie. And the first time I was second to him was very controversial. I actually probably, with the scorecard, should have won that show. It was at Mandalay Bay. Um, the Olympia moved to Vegas in 99. It was my first one. Okay. Uh, I finished second to last at that show. Oh, geez. It's oh, my wow. first one. Yeah. People don't know this about my career. The next year, I moved to eighth. So there's only a, there's only maximum like 15 to 20 guys that qualify for the Mr. Olympia. So it is the best of the best. It's just like any sports teams. They start knocking down. Yeah, and, it's the playoffs. I mean, right. But they have the 15 or 20 guys that are actually qualified. So I was second to last. Then I moved up to eighth. So I was halfway in the pack. And then I went second. And I never looked back after that. I was second, second, second before I won and then I won and whatever I never looked back so uh, with Ronnie uh, he won in 98 99 2000 then in 2001 I came in and and literally stole the show I could have won somehow he came back with the scorecards it was a two-day show he he won the second portion of it and beat me Um, and then after that I was considered a a serious threat to the title Uh, so when I did win in 2006 it was a great victory, but at the same time, like, damn, I beat my idol Ronnie Coleman, yeah. and yeah. I knew he was going. He was going for record number nine at that point. So Lee Haney had been the only one to have eight. Arnold got seven. Lee Haney had eight. Mr. Olympias and and Ronnie was going for nine, and I kept him from doing that. So he kind of had a temper tantrum, like on stage. You could tell he was oh, wow. fought. You're like, man, he's like, he's even told me before the announcement, he's like. You beat me, you know? And I was like, damn, like, I want to enjoy this moment. You For know? sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, he was very upset. And I was like, damn, you know, I, I don't really know how to handle this. Yeah. So there's a lot of chaos. So, yeah, it was great to win it. Um, and the history, you know, not to go too fast forward, but 
I won two, I won 06 and 07. I lost in 09. I finished second to a guy named Dexter Jackson. And then I came back and won it in 2009. And that was probably, I made history because no one ever lost the title and came back to win it. Oh, wow. So first of all, no one ever got beat on Olympia stage. So I was the first one to do that, beat the champ, yep. Ronnie Coleman. And then no one ever came back after losing and coming back to win it. Interesting. So everyone and, who was winners was consecutive years, and then yeah, once, you you're lost, once, done. once you're done, you're done. That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. You never really regain the title, and I right. was the only guy ever to do that. Come back with it. Well, awesome. And I came back and won in 2009. I won in nine and ten, and then uh, I lost in eleven to a guy that I brought up under me. I tore my bicep three weeks out, and I lost the title. I got second that year. Wow. So re go, uh, real quick, how was your relationship with you and Ronnie over the the course? You know, of like we had an amazing relationship. Uh, because people always say like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, like those type of rivalries where it's like you respect all the work they put into, you respect the championships, but at the same time, it's, you know, yeah, it's your time. We yeah, respected so each other, uh, and he never thought he was going to lose, and I would go into every show thinking I was going to win. Right. And we traveled doing guest spots together. We were a huge selling point to like events where they say we're bringing in the top two Olympia guys. And when you have a history of like one, two for so many years that we did, it built up the engagement that people wanted to actually see us pose down. So we would be booked at events off season. You need a storyline. You need we, a storyline. We, yeah. we all yeah. went all yeah. over the world together. So they'd bring us in as the featured guests and we would do our pose down and then it would build up for the Mr. Olympia every year, which is in September here in Vegas. Uh, so our relationship was very, when it wasn't showtime, we were cool. But when we got backstage, there was a lot of tension because there was money on the line. Uh, Brad, you're both, you're both the, competitors. Yeah, I had my fans and he had his fans. And I as like the that. underdog, you know, there was always those people with the hope. It's like when Mike Tyson was champ, right? Everyone was saying, okay, maybe this guy's the guy that's going to knock yeah, him absolutely. out. Right? Yep. Right? Absolutely. And we really kind of wanted to see Tyson, like, deep, like, man, I'd love to see a challenge. But yeah. unfortunately, like, everyone came in and he yeah. knocked him out like, the same yeah, way, right? For sure. Yeah. So Ronnie was kind of, I mean, no one else was stepping up to the plate. So I was the guy like right next to him at the end every time. And it became kind of a two-man show, which really wasn't fair for the lot of the guys. But like everyone knew going into the show, okay, I want to see how Jay and Ronnie. That's what they're out. there for. Yep. But yeah. a lot of people said, oh, Ronnie can't be beaten. And that's kind of when it happened in 06. Everyone's like, man, I can't believe Jay Cutler actually pulled it off, you yep. know? Yeah. And that's what was so great about the victory then. That's unbelievable. That's so I mean, like, awesome. the, like I said, the fact I didn't know the fact that you that no one had ever lost before and then came back for a victory. That's, yeah, no one's ever. And no, Mr. Olympia was defeated on the stage. That's yeah. So amazing. both of those, like, yeah, and they come back. That's and wild. do it again. So after you had won four, and then you, you know, and then the, your bodybuilding career, you started to transition truly into. I think now where you're, where being an entrepreneur was the main focus of your life. How did that transition happen? The funny thing is, is I actually was in very deep in business and I was always told by the upper official people you're doing too much meaning I was a guest appearance guy promoted events I had business ventures like you know I moved to Las Vegas for real estate and that's one of the things that I was very very good at since I was a kid pretty much my family was big into real estate and I moved to California first to be closer to the books we talk about magazines Joe Weider yeah. is the he was the the, like the father of bodybuilding. He brought Schwarzenegger from Austria to the United States. He moved me to California to be the poster guy for Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazines gotcha. from Massachusetts. So at 25, I made the trek and moved out west. I, I landed up in Orange County, California, and I bought my first house six months after, um, and we all know uh, California real estate. Yeah. 9-11 hit, okay? And I made a, just a weird trip to to vegas at the time and i saw like the potential real estate after 9 11 and everything was like fire sale and i'm like yeah. i'm i called my accountant and i had a financial advisor and they kind of worked with me um because i started making really good money in bodybuilding and i said i'm gonna move to vegas and he's like smart move go yeah yeah and i still Cost use that account yeah. yeah so he's like so i bought seven homes the first year i moved here 2003 um, I was big into flipping at the time because okay. at that time you could buy a house and literally make fifty or hundred thousand dollars by the time it was finished. Yeah. Um, so I bought a lot of stuff in Summerlin. 
Um, I got into that and then I was doing all the merchandising. So I came up with like DVDs, which we didn't have social media. I, I shot DVDs every year. And I'm not kidding. I would I would have everyone at my house packing DVDs, like all my friends, girlfriends, <laughs> awesome. everything. I would le- release a DVD, um, and the first day I'd probably make a hundred thousand dollars selling DVDs. That's crazy. Like Jeez. immediately the first day, and I was doing it through mail order. We didn't have the oh, internet. Oh, got it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you were just yeah. so I too, would right? I would basically take out an ad in the magazine, in the magazine. and oh. I would say, hey, this DVD is launching. Or I had email lists, and I would blast out the I email. like how this sounds so archaic. Right? I know. Like so here's what I would do, right? So, so <laughs> I would launch the DVDs, and then I had, like, the merchandising. So I would actually – people would write me fan letters. Okay, this is prior to even email. This is – I mean, I was on AOL <laughs> dial-up, which you guys – I don't even yeah. know if yeah, you yeah, even Yeah, yeah, we remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We remember. We grew up on yeah, dial-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1998, it was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I remember. sign on. You know, and we, I would sign on and yeah. I would email, you know, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever because I went from handwriting or typing letters. I had, I had an actual typewriter like yeah, yeah. that the thing <laughs> slid oh God, back oh and forth God. and I would write to these fans and, and I would have a, a call sheet and it would be like, okay, buy an eight by 10 picture. And I had a t-shirt with my picture on the front of it. It was 20 bucks. So the autograph was 10 bucks and literally the checks would come every week. And they would buy my merch. And then that started, I launched my first website in 2000, which was jcutler.com. And I started selling the DVDs and I upgraded like the shirts and I had posters. And then I started selling like merchandise. And then of course I started getting to a lot of the endorsement deals. So I started selling weight belts and wrist straps and hats and you know, beanies and all sorts of sweatshirts. I upgraded and started really merchandising. Wow. And then the web, when the website hit, it was just, through the roof easy yeah and internet helps things yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i i I was i was in my garage you've been to my house yeah i my whole garage was filled with with racks of shirts and i would sell stuff out of my garage that's crazy being the warehouse and distribution that was my warehouse yeah and i would literally sell i mean like i told you i mean some days fifty thousand dollars worth of merch So if he wasn't working out, he was packing envelopes. I mean, that's work. The real trap house. I would go to the gym and then I would stay home and I'd, you know, pack the orders and I have, you know, people helping me do that. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I just was able to invest in everything. I got involved in a lot of different business ventures, but the main thing was just traveling and doing the appearances. People don't realize how much, how lucrative it actually is doing these appearances to go overseas. And I mean, I book events weekend after weekend. Any weekend I had free, I could book for paid events and I would sell the merch on the road. So I'd take two huge roller bags and I'd literally sell out of merch within the first hour. So whatever you brought got sold no matter what. I mean, we go to Germany for a show at this thing called FIBO, which is the biggest fitness event in the world. And I mean, you you couldn't bring enough pictures to sell for 10 bucks a piece. I mean, you could pack a suitcase full of the eight by 10 photos and you'd sell out in a day. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of fans and we would sell an autograph you know glossy picture um or just merchandise you know i was more into t-shirts and the dvds sure i mean sell a dvd for forty dollars i mean it cost me maybe two bucks dvds the classic way i I know paying all those all the high price for dvds back in the day and then once youtube launched i mean i had a youtube channel when no one really was even making money with youtube I started this Swole Monkey production. It was just like videos of me training, and that's how I kind of started with that whole internet thing. And then Instagram launched, and I but mean, this doesn't normally happen. Like normally, people don't leave their sport and keep selling things like this on their name for maybe a year or two or three or four. I mean, it's now 2020, and you weren't in Mr. Olympia for the past 10 yeah, years. So I, my last one was 13. So. Yeah, 13. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it is really like carried for so long, which is unbelievable honestly yeah and i think why do you think that is like what do you think was the main point of of keeping that relevancy up i think that the travel schedule like i was like i said i was booked and i i would honestly say i'm more booked now than i ever was because there's more fitness events uh and i think social media now has expanded the reach now so where i was a big magazine guy and people looked at me that wanted to be bigger where now I transitioned into like more of a more of an athletic look comparable to what I was, even though I'm larger than most people. 
I've, yeah. I've, I've lost Where's 60 pounds, right? You've seen me. Yeah, you're definitely biggest. way small. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. comparison. But not right? small by any means, yeah. if that makes no, sense. No, yeah. and I... In, Compared to 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't fit through doors, yeah. you know? And I've now transitioned to, you know, the women aren't as scared anymore. They can actually view a lifestyle. And that's the one thing about my background is with my DVDs, I showed a lifestyle. And without those DVDs, you could only pick up a magazine and see me pushing big weights and flexing. Yes, and flex or or posing and being on stage. But when people learn the personality and say, wow, this guy does the same thing I do. Relatable. And that's, it's relatable. And so now I've captured audiences that I never would be able to capture because you can't read a personality that's in a book. And I was a square when I was training anyway. So like I said, I wouldn't be a great social media person today because I just wanted to eat, sleep, and train and win titles. Yeah. yeah. But now I've realized, now I've come out of my shell and I'm vocal. Uh, I talk about the lifestyle and, and people can relate because I notice a lot of guys look at me and even the women because you know I'm in the supplement game and I go to these events and the women come to see me event after event. Yeah. They just want a small piece of what I did absolutely for success. Sure. Meaning, if I can take a portion of what he eats, or a portion of how he trains, or Apply a portion of to, anything, yeah. yeah, that they can adapt into their lifestyle. That's what they want, and so they think, okay, this guy is the extreme, but if I can just see a very small portion of that, I'm going to have success. Because how many people wake up every day and look at themselves in the mirror and can say? I'm very happy with the way I look. Very few Not a people. ton. Not, yeah, at all. And I was like that, meaning even when I was Mr. Olympia, I'd say, okay, I can improve my biceps a little bit. Or, you know, and we, we're almost like artists, right? Because when we sculpt our physique, we train in the mirrors and we get pumped up and we say, okay, does my shoulder match my bicep? Like, it's really critical at my right. level. Are the calves big enough for the quads? Like, you have to have the balance because you're judged on the balance, the proportions, the symmetry, the condition, all those things, and the posing. So you have to know exactly how much to raise your arms when you hit a front double bicep. And you have to know when you transition, how can I outmuscle the guy that's next to me, even though he has a bigger chest from the side? Maybe if I turn a little bit, my stuff shows. So I think, you know, now, you know, people learn, have learned a lot more than the Arnold era where they just thought they were muscle heads and there's a lot more science that goes into it, but also the lifestyle. Yeah. The everyday person can yeah. relate to just improvements, like you had said, right? Is seeing improvements in the gym or going in and seeing something every day and building on that. And even in ninety and even in ninety one when I started, and it seems like so long ago, there were scarce women in the gym. Today, there's so many more women. <laughs> yeah. Packed. So many more women. And I, I think in Arnold's era the original Gold's Gym in Venice, like women weren't allowed. Oh, Interesting. Wow. Oh, wow. Women weren't allowed. So now yeah, you've seen that transition. There's women competitors. Now we have so many divisions in bodybuilding and right. fitness. And I mean, you probably have friends that compete. Sure. Yeah, the fitness is yeah. just yeah, so yeah, widespread yeah. now. So now, you know, where I started, it was like, okay, you were a man or woman bodybuilder. You had to be jacked in order to, to compete. And I mean, that's fortunately what I was good at. But now I look at being a show promoter, like I promote four events across the country, one's in Vegas. Uh, and I, I'm very like, I can look at the different divisions and say, okay, you fit this, you fit this one. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to be in a men's bodybuilding. And I see bodybuilding kind of dying off to be honest. Sure. Well, that's what we want to talk about too. Like social media, like the social media has changed fitness completely forever. I mean, even obviously the business aspect too, but now people, Influencers mainly are finding themselves to be the center of the attention and can build a platform and millions of followers and insane businesses from just their Instagram feed and their recommendations. And do you like where fitness has gone, has reached right now too? I mean, I love the fact that you don't have to, you don't have to be, I I, I wanna say famous, but you don't have to have the accolades necessarily to be able to be noticed. Because if you have a message or you know you have something extraordinary everyone has this within them that's the amazing thing there's so many untapped potential people and the funny thing is when i meet every person they say man how can i get to your level i said start a youtube channel do things on your instagram do your tiktoks like i do all and here i am you know i'm, I'm closer to 50 than i'm 40 you know yeah. what i mean looking great and, uh, yeah and looking like, great and for me 
I sometimes have to like after appearance, I'm like, damn, did I really tell this guy like do your YouTube and I, start and a TikTok? Start a TikTok? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, like, that's my life recommendations. Because remember, a major, a vast majority of the people coming to me at these events are younger generations, So they're like, how can I be? You know, and I find the guys that are still 50 or 60 or 70 that, like, I made the life switch at 55 or 60 because I have mm-hmm. a health scare Right, are the women. Uh, and now I kind of advise them, like, you have to put out your content, meaning you have to voice. I mean, you have to be able to speak. You can't just shelter yourself and expect to become, you know, a certain level. You have to be smart about and have an approach. And, and everyone has a message. Yeah. There's every person has someone that looks up to them. And they don't have to be on a platform, but the, the, the difference is someone like me who has a huge platform, I'm gonna have a lot more admirers probably yeah. because I'm yeah. more visible, For right? Sure. But I started at zero. I was the I was an introvert. I didn't wanna get, I was scared. I remember guest posing or getting up on stage even when I was a pro and being like, oh my gosh, am I gonna do something wrong? Right. We all gone through that. Yeah. yeah. And I got behind you know cameras and sometimes you know microphones and I'm like, oh man, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Right. Luckily, now this generation is way more comfortable in front of a screen, twenty four seven. And they can use the these things least. as their platform, right? These yeah. TikToks, these YouTubes that weren't there in the past are their platform. Becomes now. their marketing machine. They might not have a magazine yeah. article, but they might have a great YouTube All channel that. or stuff. Like Do that. you have favorite influencers or anything like that too that are that you think have really like stood out for you, just in fitness in general? Um, doing something well. You know, I like what Bradley Martin's done. He's done. Yeah, you know, he's a YouTuber, and he, you know, he started. I mean, I remember Bradley hanging out at, you know, at my booth in 2012, and no one knew who he was. You know, and he started on YouTube, and now, of course, he's mixing up with a lot of these pranksters and whatever else, some kind of a crazy lifestyle. But, uh, you know, I like his message because, like, he was he has anxiety, and you know, a lot of people have suffer from anxiety, and. You know, he got behind the camera and just like kind of told, spoke from the heart, and I like that. Um, there's so many. There's yeah, so many. Yeah, and it, sure. really, I mean, I could sit here and if I left people out, people are like, I can't believe you didn't say this. For sure. No, 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 for, no, sure. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but even for you too, like you're on the Instagram stories every day. Like you got it down. You, you're used to it now. You're used to just the phone being, like you said, showing the lifestyle it, on a daily basis, right? It, you know, I'm not going to lie because sometimes like I capture a moment. I'm like, damn, I missed that. I need to do this. <laughs> yeah. I need to go do it again. Damn it, I, I think we all done this, right? Yeah, for sure. Say, yeah, that would have looked great on camera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I cook and I, I work out and I show the lifestyle with, yeah. you know, my girlfriend and, and uh I try, you know, is Angie, my Angie, sta- Angie staging a lot of the events my over God, here? No, too. no. But, <laughs> you know, I have to ask her. She doesn't like to shoot a lot of stuff and so a lot of it you know, here I am being a 40 something year old guy, like oh, I have to take a selfie, <laughs> you know, but I'm not one to really flex. I don't do selfies in the mirror and that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I think that's a little awkward for me. Uh, but I, you know, today I was training and I shot a little video of me working out just to show, hey, I'm back at it. You gotta do it. A lot of people yeah. are motivated by that and you wouldn't believe the comments, like the DMs and like- Yeah, that's amazing the, though. The comments and I do it's YouTube awesome. every week. Uh, I really kickstarted that a lot because it's free. And it also gives people an insight on, okay, this is what retirement looks like. It's real um, life. And all my business ventures too. You know? Yeah. So. so when did Cutler Nutrition come into play? I know you were obviously heavily on the merch and then I think making a, the jump to like a supplement line and a full nutrition line is a huge. Yeah, so I had some of the best sponsors. I mean, I endorsed Joe Weider Supplements. I went to Muscle Tech. I was with, with the ISS company, which was the Oh Yeah Bar. They just sold, actually, I believe, to Hershey for about $400 million. But Wow, shout out. Shout uh, out to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Congrats. Yeah. You know, Muscle Tech sold for $750 million to a Chinese company. Uh, so you see these brands that continue to, to thrive, and they were around for 20 years, both those companies. Yeah. Um, and then I started my own brand in 2013. Uh, I started with a partnership and then about two years ago I broke away and I relaunched my brand with the Cutler Nutrition solely myself, um, focused on doing all direct to consumer. So it's a different Mm -hmm. model where all the brands I mentioned before were more in the distribution side. So you you start off in supplement shops, GNCs, vitamin shops, you work your way into Walmart, 7-Elevens, then you've made it, it's right? Those retail are, like yeah. Costco, right? Those are what a brand in sports nutrition really tries to get. Not to. anymore, guys. So now I focused on doing direct to consumer because 
I'm savvy with, I have a great digital team. I work with Facebook, um, Google, and now I'm just, you know, trying to reach people all, all walks of life. Right. And that's, it's been super successful. I've launched out now for about 15 months, I think. And I've already way shot over my expectations. Even during the, the downtime we just witnessed, I mean, people were still working out whether it wasn't in a gym or yep. in their garages. That's all there is to do, kind and of. And the supplement sales never, never really slowed down for me. Oh wow, never wavered. Yeah, I see the ads all the time. Wow. Uh, throwing yeah. the, the warheads in the, yeah, the yeah. pre-workout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Facebook pixel now. I get all the Instagram so, ads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm in the funnel, man. We're in there. <laughs> I, I'm, I got you trapped. You know? Yeah, I'm trapped. We, we want to know. Are you are you making up these flavors? Like, are you, you got a lot of flavors going on too? Are you testing I, these I out? I test everything, and it, and I actually show that on my social, and that's the difference with me and people that follow me on social. You know, have a really strong following, and uh, and they trust what I say because. Yeah. I feel like I've been I've been very uh, honest about my approach to the whole bodybuilding lifestyle for a long time. Um, I never really did stuff for the financial reason because I, like I said, I have a lot of different channels. Um, and the supplement thing is just a fun thing for me, to be honest. It's not like if you ask me what my vision is, I'm not trying to tell you I'm going to be the biggest supplement company in the world, right. sports nutrition, but I have a vision on where I want it to go and. It, I've already surpassed like what my expectations for the first two years have been. Uh, but the flavors, yes, I'm trying to capture uh, a cross between the younger and moderate generation. And not, okay. but I mean, I talked, spoke to one of my customers today on the phone. Um, he said a postal issue, and uh, you know, he was 50, and he's like, "Man, I can't wait to try this stuff." So I personally still reach out to. I have a customer service team. But I do still deal with people. Um, wow, on that's, a awesome. Basis. that's awesome. That's crazy. So, that's unbelievable. So people that order my products may get something special from me, like an email or even a phone call. Or a phone call. It's amazing. I mean, it sounds crazy, but a lot of fans that I've met have my phone number, and they're very respectful. And when they always hit me up and say, hey, I saw this coming out, and or can you send me this or an autograph for my sister for you know whatever right and you know they're very very polite and respectful and i stay in touch with a lot of my my fans that way that's that's, that's rare yeah that's very yeah, very rare that's which is incredible so you guys have a postal problem by the way and you call yeah, jay no, Collar hotline <laughs> i spoke to three people today about wow. um because we've had I, I, probably a hundred orders that went out after uh, memorial weekend that are not showing tracking moving so I'm kind of dealing with that through my customer service. And I said, listen, if there's anyone with real issues, tell them, you know, send me the email. I reach out to people. And sometimes, like, I can tell with communication. I'm like, hey, text me or call me. And I think that shows the value yeah, of every customer. Yeah. And, and not to mention, you're not repping a brand or you didn't make a brand. You put your name on yeah, the brand. I mean, you. it is Cutler yeah. Nutrition. That is it. You know, it is it is you. Yeah. and. I go in the system. I mean, I can go in Shopify and I can see this per person ordered like 15 times already yep. in 15 yeah. months, you know? Yeah. And I have dedicated fans like that. They believe in it and it's the only thing they take. So it's pretty cool. And I have the merch there too. And I have my eBooks. I have a club. So I do like a membership club where every Saturday I go live on Facebook in a closed group. Every It was supposed to be bi-weekly, but I actually, because of this whole uh, virus and everything. Yeah, I actually changed it to do every week to keep people motivated because everyone was in kind of depression when for it sure. kicked for off. For sure, for sure. So every Saturday at eleven o'clock a.m., I'm on my Facebook group, like, and they're sending me questions and I'm answering. I tour them through my house and show them what I'm doing, and you know, that's right. Whatever. Something like that goes a long way. For, yeah, hundred percent. Like for it, sure, it keeps that yeah. connection to your consumer yeah. and. Your fan. So speaking of that, how did you get through quarantine? Was you all right? Did you did you go crazy a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I worked out, and uh, to be honest, like I told you, business was thriving for me, yeah. and and uh, you know, I stayed pretty active. Just Not, annoyed Angie twenty hours ever. No, I mean, we we, <laughs> we made it through. That's right. I annoyed my the shit yeah. out of my wife. Which is, a, which is, you know, she we made it through. A lot yeah. of people aren't <laughs> yeah. going to make it through this. I thing. said the same yeah. thing. Yeah, remember? yeah. I was like, yeah. And I got to travel. I did go to California. I mean, I, I highlighted a lot of things on social media that I thought right. needed attention. So I started this garage series, this workout thing. I did that a few times. And then I just featured a gym that just, you know, they did a union open up like with a few gyms and said, hey, we're going to go against regulations and we're going to open because uh, people are going to lose their business, you know. Yeah. So yep. uh, I made it through. And, you know, right now it's even crazier. I mean, it's 
seems like it's, it's never going away at this point. But I've been back in the gym for four days. I trained at Athletic Club today, and I mean, it's like it never happened. Back to, to normal. Honest. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it was crowded. And people are over it. Yeah, people have people are over. People have, as, have accepted whatever risk there is there, and they're good. They're red. They're back. It's time to get my pump back on into the routine. Yeah, this yeah, after this. <laughs> Everyone's come out of here. They're pretty. I'm pretty sick of lifting sandbags in my garage at 105 degree heat. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, it's so funny. Everyone was calling me like, "Man, you have weights I can borrow." And yeah, when man. I posted up my garage, a lot of like people that might not know me well and started following me, like, I can't believe Jay Cutler doesn't have like a full gym at his house. And people gotta understand, like. I, I wanted to step out of my life when I went to the gym. Like I didn't want it inside my house because I still need like some sort of social interaction. I mentioned how secluded like it was training for Mr. Olympia and the mindset. And I used to tell people I lived in a box this big and it was eat, sleep, train and repeat. Yeah. And I had no distractions. So if I had friends with drama, they had to be cut out of my life especially during training. And I remember I was very social up until the time I had to start training 12 or 16 weeks out from an Olympia. And I'd meet friends through the year and we'd stay in touch. And all of a sudden they'd call my phone and I would never answer. And as you know, we had flip phones. It was before really text messaging. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. the world's become, you can send a text and yeah. people are okay with it. Before they want to call. And now of course it's FaceTime and I can't yeah. stand answering <laughs> FaceTime half the time. Relax guys. So Relax. So I, you know, I would seclude myself. So I need to be able to step out into that environment. So I can honestly say the last four days being out in a public gym was and nice. actually seeing movement, it's, it, it's really nice because yeah. we were all socially awkward in that time of quarantine yeah. unless we were actually just not, we were seeing friends yeah. and we weren't supposed to. It was almost like- People were way too excited on yeah. us to have a yeah. Zoom call. No, but you know? I know, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's people would be like, I can't believe you're around other people and- Right. Yeah. Like that kind of time. thing annoys me a little bit. Yeah. Because I was around certain people and they'd be like, You can't you can't be out. And I'd go to my <laughs> office every day and I'd be like, Okay, yeah. I drive from my house to my office, there's no yeah. cars. There's things no to one do. else is in my office but me. So I, business is usual. That's good then. Much. Back in the back in the game then. We have some yeah. funny questions for you though, too, I want to ask you. So first how, what what is Cheat meals, by the way. So you just said your your regular eating schedule was was unbelievable. It's insane. What's, it's what's like insane. the most iconic cheat meal Jay Cutler's you ever know, had? You know, I can't say iconic, but I'll tell you what I it was. Uh, uh, in and Out Burger, two four yes, by four yes. patties. Uh, I would have a double fry, well done with no salt. I'd have a milkshake and a Coke. That's that would eight be patties. okay. Eight patties, two quadruples. Yeah, you could yeah. probably eat that, though. Yeah, two four-by-fours. Yeah, yeah, that's a row. I could hit that. I remember when I moved to West, I moved to California, and people are like, this In-N-Out burger. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I grew up lucky if I had a McDonald's within 10 miles. Right. Away. And we weren't allowed to eat bad food growing up. We had a farm, so yeah. we actually raised cattle and everything. And, my, you know, we wouldn't get to eat McDonald's. And so when we did, it was a big deal. So when I found In-N-Out burger, I was like, damn, I'm in that's heaven it. here. That's it. It's the best. And, I think I ate it every, I had pretty much ate it every week in my off season. And and when I was training for Olympias, like in my off season, I probably won one day out of the seven days. Just smash burgers. But then I diet for the show. I didn't have any. Yeah. But that's probably the biggest cheat. I I mean, I don't know if I've had any real, I can tell you a story when I was training one time and I actually had cheat meals. It was getting ready for that first Olympia. Yeah. And I, you know, I was married at the time and I said to my wife, uh, she said, what do you want for your cheat day? And I'm like, okay, look, let me see. I want Ben and Jerry's. I want carrot cake from Cheesecake Factory. I want a pizza. I want McDonald's. So I remember she went out and bought all the cheat day stuff and lined it up on the table. And she said, okay, what do you want first? And I started, you know, I had Reese's Pieces. I had peanut <laughs> M&M's. And I, you know, as, as soon as you start eating this stuff and you've been on a diet, your stomach's out to Go here. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially the ice cream, right? You, you get the lactose. You don't feel good there. either, yeah. So I'm starting to be like, oh man, I'm full, right? And all of a sudden, like, my blood sugar, it's like, I'm starting to sweat and, you know, my <laughs> vision's getting blurry and I'm like, oh, I need to lay down. So I go and lay down and I'm like, I never should have done this. And then I try to go in the bathroom, I try to throw up because I just totally blew my diet and I wasn't sure if I should have been doing this. I was yeah. training for my first Olympia. So I'm like, I'm never gonna do this again. I'm laying on the mattress and I'm like sweating and I'm like, man, my stomach hurts so bad. And then like 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, 
man, I don't feel so bad. And that food's still sitting out <laughs> yeah, there. The pizza's still <laughs> And I'd go yeah. back out and I'd engorge myself. And it was a sickness. Like when you died on that rigid food. And so I never really had a cheat day after no. that again when I was training for shows. And I kind of controlled my. But my off season appetite. though, you can slam those calories. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I told you I ate a thousand of carbs a day, yeah. which is a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. So man. I never lot, felt yeah. like I needed to really have a cheat day and anyone that's been on a diet they'll tell you i'm on low carbs right right or they intermittent fasting they eat a lot during yeah. a short time and i think for me uh you know i was eating so many carbs it didn't i wasn't like oh my god i need to go eat bigger portion meals yeah. it was just a fact that oh that bread and out burger is so good or that pizza is so good but i've never really been a big pizza eater it was a burger and fries if you said What's your go-to after a show? I'd always have a burger. And just fries. burgers. There it yeah. is. Boom. All right, well, I might have just go two quadruples on the way home. See how I feel. <laughs> yeah. See how I feel. Yeah, try it out. <laughs> Starting my training regimen right now, too. Well, we actually do this segment every single week, and it's called Eat It, Drink It, Binge It. And we give all the listeners recommendations on where or what to eat, something that we think is really good. Uh, same thing with drinking or uh, binging it to anything that you're watching, reading, listening to, anything like that too, that's a good recommendation. So we'll let, we'll let you stew it over and think about it really quick and we'll give each of ours. But um, I'll start really quick with mine. Okay. I'll go, I'll go start. What are you so, eating, Jeff? Speaking of burgers, good transition. There it is. My, my eat it is Slater's 50-50, burgers here. So there's actually, there's locations all over California, in Vegas here, Denver, Dallas, Hawaii. And the burgers are all amazing. They have tons of burgers, right? They have like a 24 karat gold burger. They oh, have wow. all sorts of crazy burgers. Wow, wow, wow. And, but their sweet potato fries come with this pumpkin sauce. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Pumpkin sauce. Need that recipe. Literally. Yeah, yeah. smash your pass, bomb. It is the greatest thing. I like, I really, I had it on like a, a hangover day okay. during quarantine. Yeah. And it was just unbelievable. <laughs> um, so Slater's 50-50, go check it out. California, Vegas, Denver, Dallas, Hawaii. Check it, it's it's unbelievable. Get any burger there you want, is. but you have to get the pumpkin sauce. I like it. I've never I heard of this place. Yeah, yeah. Have to check we it got out. the, the, the burger guy over here. Yeah, he's yeah. going. The it's one like, that we have here at Vegas is um, on Silver, like Silverado Ranch in Bermuda. Okay. So right by South Point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, really All right, good. I'm gonna have to try I'm gonna that get you. I'm gonna get you some pumpkin sauce. I'm gonna hook you up. I'll get you. I'll get a nice big bat of it. I'll see if they do quadruples. I'll ask. All right, Lo, what do you got? What's Casinos your Casinos are opening tomorrow, yes. so I'm excited to get back in the Palazzo and eat Ma 32. Okay. I that's, love the soup dumplings. That is my thing there. Oof. It's rich people food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm just saying. So Melissa's birthday was right at the quarantine start, and all she wanted was her birthday was to go get soup dumplings, and we yeah. were going to go to Ma 32, and the world ended. So we'll be back. We're coming. Ma 32 soup dumplings are Incredible! There's okay. literally soup inside of a dumpling. Got to go try it. But that's All what right. I like that. Wow, fire! Bur pumpkin sauce and soup dumplings. This is a really good eating. Come eat on, it. what do you got, Drew? Come on, right staying on the burger tip. It's crazy. So it's a place called Cali Bomb. Cali Bombs. Okay, it's Bombs. an In-N-Out style burger spot in Vegas, and they have a, an onion bomb. It's like an In-N-Out blooming onion. I saw this. He posted. But they they hollow it out. They fill it with nacho cheese topped with hot Cheetos, fried jalapeno, all that shit. It is fire. But Cali Bombs. It's like an In-N-Out style burger. So it looks like you know a double oh, it double, look like it. but it's a oh, it it's a it's a thicker style patty, okay. but similar taste. Very very good. They have a, they have a, their own little spread. Very good. It's called Cali Bombs. I like that. Wait, what's better? These Cali Bombs are the ones that you cook on oh, your bro, roof. Oh, me, me. Don't don't get toasted. <laughs> okay, so I still make the best. Burger. If you don't get invited to Drew's house, Cali Bombs yeah. is, is the is next the best next thing. thing. Yeah. All right, cool. Jay, what do you eat? What's like what's like your go to thing right now, or a good recommendation you got for See, someone? I'm, I'm, Maybe a hidden I'm, gem you got. I'm more for the atmosphere right now okay and i yeah. i'll be honest with you guys like there's not if you said i want to take you out to your favorite type of food what is it and i couldn't tell you what that is it's more for the experience and the atmosphere and i'm not like people would think hey i like higher end restaurants right and, you know i go to yeah. sw and these yeah. other places um but we go to echo and rig a lot yeah, Great spot. Echo and rig. yeah. The outdoor patio we go to north yeah I mean, north also in summerlin is good yeah um, and there's a lot of things like at the Echo and Rig um, menu, which is more of the side dishes that we I get. I love all those. It's not about, hey, getting a hanger steak or whatever. It's about, you know, the side dishes like the watermelon yeah. salad and all that. They have a great vibe at Echo and Rig, too, so I know exactly I what you're talking about. And they take great care of me there. And, and it's just, I kind of like that whole Tivoli Plaza yeah. right, the, right there. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, the atmosphere. So I think, you know, right now, if you said what would be the ideal spot, it would be something with outdoor seating. I mean... I've eaten at Lavo right on the strip. That's cool when the strip is busy. Yeah. I mean, on these summer nights, it's a real cool yeah. vibe. 
Uh, so there's a lot of good places like that. Okay, awesome. Echo and Rig, big I, shout I, out. I Echo and Rig in a huge shout out. There you go, plug. All right, drink it, here you go. So this is actually, there's a couple that I had, but the other day we were on the seltzer train a lot mm. and uh, we tried the Corona one. So the Corona Refresca, they're really good. They are, that's a seltzer? Yeah, Corona came out with their own seltzers. They're pretty good, yeah. And they're called a Corona Refresca. We had the guava and lime flavor. Ridiculous. Oh, wow, super fruity. So good. All right. So if you're going seltzer this weekend, you know, kick it off really quick too. Try the Corona one. Sorry, White Claw, you dominated the market. By the way, White Claw crossed a billion dollars in 2019, Jeez. so they're straight. Yeah, they're, they're fine. Good. They're, they'll, they'll survive. So, so try some of the Corona Refresca ones too if you want a nice little... Nice little seltzer break. Yep. What do you got? I'm what going you... back to back all this trip, same place. That's fine. I've been dying to have this and I haven't had it in three months. Age of Aquarius at Electra is my drink of choice whenever I'm there. Okay. It is lime juice, passion fruit, Campari, a mezcal, but I'd like to do it with tequila because I'm not a very mezcal Smoky, kind of guy. The smokiness, yep. yeah. Uh, and crushed ice. Ooh. Fire. Crushed ice is the best. Okay. Crushed, crushed ice. ice. Is no, don't give me that cube shit. Yeah, I'm going to blow the crust. It's yeah, either yeah. I'm getting a big, big cube in my drink right. or I'm getting crushed, crushed ice. And this one's crushed ice. Okay. Money. Shout I like that. To, shout out to Sonic. Yeah. Shout so, out to Sonic. Yeah, Sonic yeah. does do the slashes with the crushed ice. I feel like Jeff and I are copping each other and I was trying to change it on the fly in my head, but <laughs> right. I'm also going seltzer. Okay. The new Truly Lemonades. Very good. Truly has now lemonade. What? Yeah. They're, the flavor explosion yeah. in your mouth. We, we gotta get low on some on the can game, bro. You gotta get, get the yeah, seltzer game. I'll, I'll bring some next time, but Truly yeah. Lemonade, phenomenal. Yeah, they got a lot of flavors too, like a whole lemonade line. Yeah, it's like a raspberry wow. lemonade. Yeah. Oof. Bum. They're good. Right, what are it. you drinking? What, what are you drinking? It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Anything. 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 Go. Shout it out. Ooh, oh, wow. Cucumber. Cucumber Perrier. Oh, cucumber. wow. Cucumber. All right. So do you want to know a funny story? There's only, there's like the top five things I hate most in the world. All are cucumber. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Do you want to know why man-made pickles? Is because we had all of these disgusting cucumbers and we couldn't make money on them, so we decided let's make them delicious, and that's why we created pickles. That sounds like light okay. and refreshing, though, Jeff. And everybody loves cucumbers, except yeah. for me. I can smell cucumbers like a mile away. Yeah, it's funny when I when I do have an alcohol drink though, it seems to be always like a cucumber or something. Like a light like, freshy thing. Yeah. How often you you still drink a little bit, yeah? Yeah, sometimes. Once in a blue moon. I didn't drink the other night. Yeah. But I, once in a while. Yeah. Just to have I'm a, on a program right now. Okay. All right. I'm on a twelve week program. So I'm not doing any alcohol. No alcohol there right is. now too. Okay, but when you're over the program, have a nice cocktail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Celebration. Celebrate with a nice yeah, cocktail. There we go. Depends what I celebrate. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Like that. that is true. That's that is good. true. Um, all right, binge it. Um, I caught this on uh, ESPN the past two weeks after the Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah, which was like, amazing. Yeah, I feel like ESPN was on a, on, a, on a run. Obviously, we grew up with Lance Armstrong. So the story of Lance Armstrong, his ESPN 30 for 30 with Lance Armstrong was pretty wild. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, to hear him actually really talk about the whole process and and admitting everything and then talking through it and where he is now and actually kind of to see, I feel like when we were growing up and everyone had, by the way, did you have a yellow Livestrong bracelet? Of course. I did, I did. You know what, he was my athlete. I read his book, it's not, it's not, it's what, not beyond the bike or whatever. Right, right, right. It's not about the bike. Not about the bike. the book that I read about him and he, he was, was an icon. He was when he in my era, he was the man, the most yeah. motivational yeah. person ever. Yeah. And then I think I didn't really realize how much he really did for cancer, mm-hmm. you know, whether what, whatever he did in the sport, it was what it was. But disclaimer here, too, I think there's everyone was doing it in the sport, which is what I really yeah. learned in the documentary. So it really wasn't like that he was over the bounds too much too, but it was really interesting. I really recommend it. Lance Armstrong, 30 for 30 on ESPN. Yep. Get a little, little Jeff background. hates, hates A-Rod, loves, loves Lance Armstrong. Lance, yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's it. All right. Lance Armstrong did did, yeah, yeah. did something for me. Yeah. I wore his bracelet. There we go. You know, so they, one cool thing about the documentary they did say was that they were expecting, they, he didn't know if the bracelets were gonna work. He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't think this is going to work. And their goal was to sell like 5 million of them. Bro, everywhere. He said they sold 80 million plus. Yeah, it was literally the thing. Worldwide. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. What a movement that they was. hard to get. Like, yeah. If you had one, you were cool. For sure. So what do you mean? What year was that? Wow. Ooh. Oh. That, was, that was high school. So like probably 2000, or for me, 2002, 2003. Yeah. 2004, like that that time yeah. frame. Yeah. Early 2000s. Mm-hmm. What do you got going? What are you been doing? So right now on Netflix, I'm watching this show called Somebody Feed Phil. So it's very like Anthony Bourdain kind of. Okay. Uh, Who's Phil? Phil is the guy who wrote for Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Oh. And he's like, he has really cool, funny expressions, but he's going different places all around the world. He and he got a food stuff. Netflix show? I yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah. He's pretty funny. Really cool like guests, people that come and eat yeah. with him in different countries. 
Really awesome. Hey, Netflix, we're available, by the way. Yeah, let us go eat yeah, some Yeah, yeah, we're available for Somebody food. feed us. Crossover. <laughs> I know, I'm about to plug Netflix again. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's a show that I was really onto in the beginning, but I stopped watching or couldn't keep up because I didn't. I don't consume a ton of content when I'm at home. Uh, Peaky Blinders on Great Netflix. Show. Unbelievable show. Do you watch Peaky Blinders? Mm-mm. Unbelievable show. Like old school, like Western, right? No, no, no. It's like no, uh, it's, it's like classic nineteen twenties, yeah, twenties, like UK. prohibition, prohibition. In, the, yeah, in, the U- in the UK. These brothers just running shit. Unbelievable show. I agree. Yeah, so I have to watch it on my own time because Carolyn doesn't like watching it. So I have to like <laughs> sneak little episodes in by myself, and I feel like a fucking loser. But <laughs> yeah. Peaky Blinders, don't be like a loser. Great okay. fucking show. It's okay. I'm in mean, there like time. binging a show by myself. Time, yeah. I now see you really like under a blanket in yeah. a closet or something. Like by myself, that. just real you know, quick. It's either like dating shows. Is that porn? Jeff? No, it's Peaky Blinders, babe. I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peaky Blinders, babe. Yeah, yeah, relax. Peaky okay. Blinders. Okay. That's a good one. That's a really good recommendation. A good All right, what are you binging? You watching anything? You listening to anything? I just reading watched, anything? Uh, the Jordan documentary. That was the last thing I actually watched. Okay, yeah. that was really good. Which was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. But I watched the reruns of it because I was never the last time watching. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, I was at my office most of the days, and I'm there sometimes till late at night. So. That's a good one, though. I like that. Yeah. Uh, well, good. Hey, honestly, the episode today was incredible. Jay, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate Guys, it. Guys, we Jay are, Cutler crushed yeah, it. Jake, the Jay Cutler. Yeah, not the, Jay the, Cutler. the real not Jay Cutler. Not the quarterback. No, no, no. Not, nothing like that. We do have a, a crazy giveaway that's going to come, fitness themed, obviously, with a lot of Jay's brands and some other amazing companies, too. We have Cutler Nutrition. We have what? The. Uh, Built, built drinks, trifecta, foods, trifecta yeah. foods, and a lot more too. So if you want all the details on that, it's going to be massive. They're going to go to our Instagram page at the residency pod. Make sure to go to Apple. Give us those five stars, guys. You really, really appreciate it. Write that review. Thank you for all the support. Jay, again, thank you for coming, man. We really appreciate yes, yes, it. Yes. And we'll see you guys next week. Let's go. That was great. Boom. Love it. Thanks.